In the sermon series we're in, Bonfire with the Sages, we've been imagining sitting with some of the people that we find in Scripture, sitting with them around an imagined bonfire, men and women that have known God so well, that have walked with God so closely that we want to know what their hard-won wisdom is. We imagine these people, real people, just like you and me, sharing their stories and their, their pearls of wisdom. And so today, the bonfire that we are going to gather around is one with the Apostle Paul. Now, unlike other bonfires that we've gathered around so far in this series, this bonfire isn't altogether imagined. This is a very real, very specific bonfire Paul asks me to join him and his fellow travelers here. You see, uh, this is recorded by Luke in the last chapter of Acts. I notice that Luke is at this bonfire with us. Uh, Luke is listening really intently to the conversation that I'm having with Paul, and I notice that he's even taking notes. He's writing like his life depends on it. So I thought, well, if Luke is taking notes, I probably should take some notes too. I mean... How many times am I going to have the chance to sit around a bonfire with Paul? And so I got out some paper and a pencil also. So I hope you don't mind that a lot of what I'm going to share with you are my notes directly from Paul, what he has to share. I just wanted to get his words right for you. So let me first tell you where we are. We are on the island of Malta. It's dark. It's raining and it's cold. The natives of Malta have been so kind to Paul and all of his fellow travelers. You see, they have just watched with horror as these shipmates uh, encountered a storm at sea, a raging storm that threw all of them into the ocean. And all of these men were grabbing for air, any ounce of air they could get as they tried to struggle to the shore. So it's these Maltese islanders, these people that have built this bonfire for us. They've offered the hospitality of warmth and of safety. It's at this bonfire that I sit and I'm wide-eyed. So we're sitting there and Paul had gone to gather brushwood. And as he was putting it on the fire, a, a viper was driven out by the heat and it attached itself to Paul's hand. When the natives saw this creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, this man has to be a murderer. Though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. Paul didn't even seem to notice Finally, I say to Paul, 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 you've got a viper fastened to your hand. He just shook it off into the fire and came and sat down next to me. All of us were just sitting there silent, waiting for him to swell up or drop dead, but nothing happened. We just sat there staring at him. And then he turns to me and he says, so kid, I hear that you, uh, you want to ask me some questions about the wisdom that I've gained from living my life for Christ. 
I say, Paul, dude, you've just had a very poisonous snake bite you and hang there. How can you be so calm? And here's his first pearl of wisdom. His first pearl of wisdom is don't get distracted, dejected, or scared by the attacks from the enemy. You see, he starts laughing, and he looks at me and he says, oh, that? Kid, if, that, if something like that happens, you just have to shake it off. Shake it off. You see, the enemy is always going to want to distract you or push you toward feeling dejected or even depressed. If he can do this, he has got you right where he wants you, and it's going to be hard for him to let you go. But if you're still on your feet, if you are still preaching Christ, well, the enemy's just going to attack you outright. Don't think he won't. If I had been tripped up by something like that all these years ago, I wouldn't even be sitting here today. That snake was nothing. Let me tell you, five times I received lashes from the Jews, 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning, three times I was shipwrecked for a night and a whole day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and sisters in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, hungry and thirsty, often without food, cold and naked. And besides other things, I am under daily pressure because of my anxiety for all the churches. Oh my gosh, I say, Paul, you know, I've had some anxiety from working in ministry sometimes, but I've only had one of those things on your list. Thank God. Wow, that's incredible. He says, kid, Satan has wanted to block my way more than once. You've just got to press on. And I thought about this for a moment, but then I said, Paul, What about your second missionary journey, the one that you were on with Silas and Timothy? Luke has notes on all of this. It's something that he's calling Acts, Acts of the Apostles, and it's in chapter 16, verse 6, right, Luke? And Luke nods his affirmation. It's there, Paul, that you say that when you wanted to go into Asia to speak the word, that God did not let you. And then you say that when you tried to pass into Bithynia, that the spirit of Jesus stopped you. So how do you know, Paul? How do you know when it's the the enemy blocking your way and God wants you to press in? And how do you know when it's God redirecting you? He sat with this question for a minute. He recognized the gravity of it. And then he said, This is a tough one, isn't it, kid? And then he said, I suppose we just have to trust the words of Jesus. You know, the ones that John shared with us in his gospel. The words when Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. You see, 
See, the enemy can be tricky, kid. The enemy wants us to think that he can sound just like Jesus, but that's a bunch of malarkey. The enemy wants us to feel scared and anxious at the very pit of our stomach. Sometimes he wants to rile us up in anger or in envy. That is where the enemy lives. It's not like that with the Lord. The Lord wants you to be at peace. The Lord gives you his peace. He's the good shepherd. He wants to talk with you so often that you know his voice. You know, the only way the enemy can get a foothold here is if we don't let our ears be trained, our, our spirits be trained to the sound of the voice of the shepherd. If you want to know the distinction in these voices, kid, you can. You just train yourself to know the voice of your shepherd. If you want to know the difference, you can get this. It's not that hard. Ask yourself if you're feeling love or if you're feeling fear. That's a really good guide. All of a sudden, he pulls out of his pocket a soggy piece of parchment. Miraculously, all the ink is still perfectly preserved. And he said, kid, I've been writing down some thoughts that I want to send to my friends in Ephesus. I've got the idea for a letter that I'm going to send them. So let me share some of this with you. And he begins to read from the soggy piece of parchment. And it's, he says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when that evil day comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, then stand firm. Stand firm with the, the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from what? From the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up that shield of faith which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the enemy. It's awesome, right? Does that help your question, kid? And I said, yeah, Paul, it really does. So we sat there for a few moments in silence, and I just let these words, his wisdom, steep into my soul. The rain turned into a heavy mist. And as it got colder and wetter, Paul all of a sudden starts to sing. Luke starts smiling and he joins in and all of a sudden this good cheer is like a contagion among all of us around the fire. The, sh the people from the ship, the guys are singing along and laughing and even the Maltese people want to learn the words that Paul is singing and, and Paul starts to teach them the words. It's the most beautiful thing, just this joy in the middle of such a cold and dark night. When the singing kind of subsides to humming, 
I don't know if they forgot the words or there weren't any more. I, I, I find a break and I say to Paul, Paul, what keeps you going? And he says to me, oh, kid, that's easy. Hope. The hope of glory, which is Christ in you. That's my second pearl of wisdom for you, kid. Always press into the hope that is set before you. God has made us a promise in Christ. The Holy Spirit is a down payment for what's to come. And what's to come is the hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also can boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Paul says to me, we have got to set our minds on things that are above, not on things here on earth. You have got to let the mind of Christ be formed in you. I mean, what do you think Christ spent his time thinking about when he was here on earth? Do you think he spent his time worried that snakes were going to jump out and bite him? Do you think he spent his time wondering what it was going to be like on the cross? Wondering how deep the isolation of the grave might be? Or do you think he set his, his gaze far beyond the cross, far beyond the grave? Don't you think he was looking at the glory, the joy, the hope that was set before him? And that's you and me, kid. Us being with him in glory. That's the hope that was set before Christ. And if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. You see, you've got to train yourself to focus on the good in life. I've always said, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That's what keeps you going, kid. And keep on doing the things that you've learned and received and seen and heard in me, kid. The God of peace will be with you. You've got to trust me in this. God will guard your heart and your mind. This is a choice that you have to make daily, kid. I'm telling you, you have to choose to know that God is good, that God is for you, and that God is faithful to you. When you know those things, you can keep going through any day, through any night, through any peril. I found myself saying, Paul, I just wish I could sit at this bonfire with you just night after night. There's so much that I want to learn from you. I want to learn how to be anxious for nothing. I want to learn to have the kind of boldness and conviction that you've got, Paul. I, you know, I do get pulled away. I, I do get distracted, I confess. Sometimes I do get dejected, depressed, scared. I can feel my human nature at war with Christ in me, I, I 
can't stand it. I just want to shrug off my old self. Paul, how did you do it? He starts laughing. He literally laughs and said, kid, you can't think for one minute that this is something that I did on my own, right? You don't think that. You know that I am not some kind of superhuman. I'm just like you, maybe worse, probably worse. You have to know that this is God's work in me. This is my third pearl of wisdom for you. Don't resist what God is doing in you in all of these circumstances, in every circumstance. Don't resist what the Holy Spirit is making of you. You see, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. Paul continued, it's so easy to fall into the patterns of this world. The way you think, the way you act, trust me, I know. And, and I know it's so easy to let yourself think that you're doing great. <laughs> trust me, I know. But God doesn't want you to be great. God wants you to be new. Do not be conformed to this world, kid. But let yourself be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So if you're serious, Paul went on saying to me, if you're serious, kid, about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides, the things that are important to Christ. Don't shuffle along with your eyes on the ground, absorbed in all the things right in front of you. Look up. Look up and be alert at what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life which is your real life, even though it's invisible to others. This is the life of Christ in you. It's hidden with him. He is your life. When Christ, and remember, your real life is in Christ. When Christ shows up again on this earth, you will show up too, the real glorious you. Now, kid, I know that you're going to share this when you get back home with some of your friends. I just smile when I think about how many people you might share this with. And I, I want to ask you to share something more with them. Would you? Would you do that for me? And I said, Paul, of course, I'd do anything for you. He said, okay, this is what I want you to tell them. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forget about it. Forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love 
which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed we were all called in one body, all of us, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish each other with all wisdom, all of this, and with gratitude in your hearts, sing. Sing psalms and hymns and praise songs. Sing them all and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Make sure that your friends know this, kid. It was almost morning. A cold wind started blowing. I felt a shiver run through me, and then I, I, I looked at Paul, and I said, Paul, you know what they're going to do to you when you get to Rome, right? And he said, no. What? Wait, don't tell me. I don't want to know. What difference does it make, kid? If I knew right now that something bad was going to happen to me in Rome, what do you think? You think I wouldn't go? Do you think I'd run for the hills? You and I both know how well that went for Jonah, don't we? Why would I turn away from God? Why would I not do what he has asked me to do? I mean, what an honor that he asks me to do anything with him. God loves me so much. Of all the things I know, and I know a lot, there's been people who thought I've gone crazy from how much I know. I never went crazy. But of all the things I know, knowing that God loves me is what I know the best. And it's not, it's not a head knowing. It's a heart knowing. It's something that you can't unknow. You know what I mean? I mean, if God is for me, what does it matter who could be against me? You know, kid, I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate me, us, from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Kid, God has given me assignments to complete in this lifetime. Now, you know that I was a really good student back in the day, right? You know, I, I've bragged about it, I've got to say. You know, I always did all my homework. I did all the extra credit that I could. You know, you've, uh, you know how I've bragged. Back then, back in those days, I, I felt like I needed to prove myself. I felt like I needed to, uh, to earn everything that I had because, well, I guess I thought because no one would love me if I didn't. That's a really hard thing to admit to you, kid. But, but kid, I'll never forget the way Jesus looked at me when he knocked me off my feet there on the way to Damascus. You know, I would have thought he would have been so mad at me. All the things I did. I mean, I was trying to kill good people like you, kid, just because they believed in Jesus. Gosh, what a knucklehead I was back then. 
Jesus should have hated me. All the things I thought. All the things I did. But he didn't. When he looked at me on that road, there was nothing but love in his eyes. Nothing but compassion when he said to me, Saul, yeah, can you believe it? He knew my birth name. Saul, it isn't easy for you to kick against the goads, is it? How did he know that? I didn't even know that until he said it, and then I knew it was true. How did he know the burden that I've been carrying my whole life? How did he know that I didn't even like myself? You see, I, I know that this is different. Some people get me wrong. They think I'm just switched one master for another. And maybe, maybe that's kind of right. But when I served the law, I served it out of emptiness. I could never get full. But when I serve the Lord, I serve him out of fullness. I'm always running over with him. I'm not trying to, to prove anything or earn anything. I just love him. I would do anything for him. Paul paused a moment and then he said to me, Kid, Jesus wants me to go to Rome. He wants me to bear witness to him there. He told me so himself. And so I'm going to Rome. I'm going on his schedule, not mine. I have no control over all the things I, that happen, all the shipwrecks, all the great stuff, all these wonderful bonfires that are built by people that I don't even know. I just have to, to be true and be honest about these assignments that he's given me. You see, these assignments are everywhere, kid. They're not just in Rome. You got to keep your eyes open. You got to make space in your schedule because you never know when the Lord has someone that he wants you to talk with. Sometimes it's a king or an emperor, and sometimes it's a shepherd or a child. They're all the same to him. And I want to give myself to all of that. You see, when you make room in your schedule, you just never know what kind of good trouble the Lord is going to get you into. When my time is done, it's done. God knows exactly how many days I have on this earth, and he has given me the perfect amount of assignments to get done in that amount of time. I just don't want to leave any of them incomplete. You know, you're one of them, kid sharing my wisdom with you, my, my hard-won wisdom, knowing that you're going to pass it along to your friends and that your friends are going to pass it along and that generation after generation, people are going to be talking about the goodness of God. Do you know how much that warms me? This fire is nothing. It's warmth that's inside of me. So, kid... I've let you know my best pearls of wisdom. Don't get distracted when the enemy attacks you. Lean in to the hope that is within you. And don't resist 
what the Holy Spirit is making of you. When we first started talking, kid, you said that you wanted to ask me three questions. What did I lay down? What did I pick up? And was it worth it? Well, I laid down living by the law. And I picked up being saved by grace. Oh, you still want to ask me if it's worth it? Are you kidding? I'm a new man. I've been set free. And I'm loved. It's more. More than I could have ever asked or imagined. We sat in silence after that. Most of the others around the fire nodded off and fell asleep. The rain stopped. The clouds parted. The morning stars started to twinkle. I imagine that I'm not ever going to forget this bonfire with Paul. Isn't it incredible to let God work in our imaginations? Our imaginations are anointed by God to have this freedom in Scripture, to imagine Paul talking to you. He doesn't just talk to me. He talks to you too. Friends, I want to urge you to go through the letters of Paul, his own words. Go through Acts, starting from Acts 9 through the end of it, all the way through Acts 28. That's Paul's story recorded historically by Luke. You can overlay these Acts with all of the letters. You can get the fullness of all the wisdom of Paul. See, what I was able to share with you here today is just a smidgen, a drop in the bucket. There's so much to learn from Paul. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for the men and women of Scripture, for these real people who share their wisdom with us now, daily, as often as we go to them, they are here speaking to us. Lord, would you just give us a hunger and thirst for your word, the letters that were penned by Paul and yet made part of Holy Scripture. God, would you bring us into his story, your story in him? Would we be encouraged? Would we be built up by the words that Paul speaks to us? God, we thank you so much for scripture, for your words to us. God, we ask that you would help us be trained to hear your voice, to know you, to follow you. God, we ask that you would help us not get distracted, dejected, or frightened by the enemy. God, give us strength. Lord, we ask that you would help us always press in to hope that is set before us. Jesus, we thank you for the hope that is you. And God, we ask that you would make us malleable in your hands, that you would be this potter and we the clay, that you would form us and that you would pour your spirit into us and that we would be made new day after day with increasing glory coming in to looking like the image of Christ himself. God, have your way with us. Sanctify us for your good pleasure. 
We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.